Hi guys, we are back with another episode. Here I'm here with Sanchi and Aditi. Hi. Hi. Hi Aditi. So Aditi is our doctor friend and we're trying to question her about the good and bad about medicine and the things she went through throughout her colleges. Yes, yes. So Aditi, I want to ask you, what was your preparation for medical entrance like? Like not the current one, but the previous one. We'll come to the current one too. Don't worry. Yeah. So the previous one, like when I was in my uh, high school, I just knew that I don't want to take a math because I, I like had this clear vision. I don't want to be involved with math. So I was like, I used to love bio a lot. and i knew that i'm going to take up this subject for sure and somehow when i was preparing then i realized by the end of 12th that i really wanted to get into um, the medical field i just put in a uh, hard work and yeah now i'm done i'm done with my course now <laughs> i'm graduated so um i've heard that doctors have like really long shifts like 24 hours and 48 hours and like how do you do that I mean, like how do you start like do they put you as an in, in internship straight away to 12 hour shifts or do they give you mentally preparation so yeah so there is like a orientation thing uh, but that to be honest is very like theoretical there is no practical uh, this aspect of it as such so basically you're just thrown into the field you know it's but, just like you're thrown it's basically like they tell you that uh, you know you are supposed to be on this this many hours shift and uh, you know you are obviously mentally prepared that you have to work and all of that i mean it's not like you're always running uh, you're not always working obviously there is a little bit of time you get to just um, sleep or nap or whatever for like in a 24 hour duty uh, like in icus and all of that we have been posted and we have rotations we are supposed to work in the icu for a week or two weeks and then uh, work in the wards and we are supposed to work in opds as well so yeah we have like a rotation which keeps going on so you are not continuously working and exhausting yourself you're given the uh, heads up you know what all you're supposed to do and what all is expected from you especially as an intern um they expect you to be there in the casualty most of the time so that you know you're the first person who interacts with the uh, patient So we have like rotation two two months in each department. So two months in surgery or two months in general medicine, and uh, whatever is uh, required to be done in that specific field, that is what we do. Like generally, it's all samples taking and making sure that everything is bills are paid and all of that as an intern. And then our seniors generally take care of the treatment aspect of it and the medication aspect of it. and if in case there's any emergency or emergency procedure which has to be done then everything has to be done a little bit faster so that the patient can be immediately taken up for the ot and yeah that that's how it goes about so there's this whole thing right like um, medicine is definitely a noble profession yes yes and but how is like the execution of it in real life like what are the like in our heads it's like oh i mean it obviously is a noble profession but what are the problems you guys face as doctors as medical students especially in a country like ours with a huge rural population so i'll tell you two things i'll tell you the study part of it and the 
टाइम वेर यू डोंट गेट टाइम बेसिकली द स्टडी एस्पेक्ट ऑफ इट इज बेसिकली अलॉट बिकॉज द कॉम्पिटिशन हैज मैसेवली इंक्रीज इट्स लाइक थ्रू द रूफ नाउ यू हैव टू बी एट द टॉप ऑफ योर गेम टू मेक श्योर यू गेट थ्रू इन टू अ कॉलेज विच इज गुड इनफ इन टू एन इंस्टीट्यूट विच इज रियली गुड एंड प्रैक्टिकली एज सच यू गेट नो टाइम फॉर योर सेल्फ यू गेट नो टाइम टू जस्ट यू नो रिलैक्स एंड डू वट एवर यू वॉन्ट I mean, you can, but you have to somewhat strategize your way through your entire schedule and get it done. That is what is, you know, a little bit difficult in our country. The rural population, as such, I mean, treatment of people who are in the urban population is obviously much, much better because they have access, and you know, they can just randomly call up, and lot of doctors are there, and you know, they'll just call up their family doctor and get the treatment done. Whereas in the rural area, the problem is that there are not many people who are still gaining access to healthcare facilities, and there's no awareness. It's very less, uh, to be honest. So our college had organized these camps and everything. So I have been to the rural areas, and it's been like heartbreaking to see because they have no awareness. They don't know how to wash, like simple things like to wash your hand before lunch or. After lunch, and you know, to make sure, like personal hygiene, they have no awareness. I was really shocked because you know, so from my house, my college is forty kilometers, and forty kilometers from there was where the camp was. So approximately eighty kilometers from the house, and literally the roads changed, the landscapes changed, and from a proper industrialized world, you just step into a world where they're living in huts and uh, two two families. like a family of maybe say 5 to 6 people had to share a common washroom which was approximately 100 to 200 meters away from their house and you know especially from uh, from a city like mumbai when you just go to a place like that is it was like a culture shock to be honest okay yeah that is really heartbreaking to yeah hear. yeah and this is how it actually is over here and our country is definitely trying to put in a lot of campaigns and make sure that everyone is getting vaccinated for like preventable diseases and all of that but you know when things like basic sanitation and basic health facilities and access is not there that is when you know you're just like questioning everything because these are the people who actually need the treatment you know these are the people who are actually in dire need of it and uh, you know you're busy treating people are busy getting botox and you know everything done whereas other people don't even have like proper water to drink you know can you just compare the range of problems definitely we have this steep class divide if i can call it in our country yeah, yeah. for sure and and i feel like i think i saw a documentary with um, inside bill's brain on netflix i think the first part itself was about sanitation in developing yeah homes. and i think a uh, part of it was shown in from india and how they are trying to bring money from america through his campaign back to india and still we still the third developing country and we're fighting especially staying in mumbai you don't realize how others do and another thing i feel we could explore on see y'all are going there only for a few exactly, months right exactly the campaigns yeah. after that there's another role of students going there but what about a permanent 
effort there. The hospitals also might be pretty far, right? Yeah, the hospitals are far. So what they do is they try to make arrangements, and they are trying to how these people like how everything has the selling product per se, like that selling point. Sorry for that matter. So that's what these hospitals are trying to do. They're trying to give like free transport to all these people. And uh, so the moment we go, we suppose diagnose a specific skin condition. Uh, suppose just a very uh, random thing like, for example, an allergy or contact dermatitis. They will you will we are just given basic medication like paracetamol or something like that. You know, in case the ch- in case children have fever or adults have fever, just treated or on that on the spot basis. But these things require a prolonged treatment, like any dermatological condition. has to be uh, treated uh, for a long period of time and there has to be follow ups as well so we go over there and we tell them uh, to come to our hospital and our hospital has taken quite a bit of effort to make sure that transport and all is provided so yeah efforts are being taken but as you said i think it has to be amped up even more yeah so um like you know talking about this divide between like rural and urban what how like uh, there is this thing i've heard that you know disease is defined by the society you live in yeah yeah can you like show us that with you know the difference between what do people go to the doctor for like in the urban versus the rural areas uh okay so the rural people or the patients which i've come across they have had like uh issues with goiter which is your thyroid enlargement they've had that they've had venereal diseases a lot of syphilis and um, maybe even hiv to a certain extent because they are unaware they're completely unaware okay whereas uh when you're comparing it to the urban population they've all googled their symptoms and they are overtly aware they are excessively aware of whatever disease they have and they literally come to you like uh ma'am or doctor i have these things do you think i have this and you know it's it can just be something like a basic fever and they'll be extremely paranoid about it whereas the rural people they have the disease and they have no awareness and they're just you know simply simply roaming about they have no idea that they actually have like a chronic condition that's just that's how it is over here for now hmm you know once i had a an ingrown nail and surgery went for a for a quick surgery and the doctor like okay you good thing you came early cuz he has seen cases where people come after nearly breaking their toe off because they don't realize what they're doing to themselves and they're like okay turmeric will work and turmeric will work and they basically kill themselves in such cases the infection spreads and you lose yeah. a leg you know it's a lot of these home based treatments as well i mean uh, it's good uh, a lot of our medicine is also uh, homeopathy and all of that they you know what is a promote home based medication i'm not saying it's a bad thing but if you think there's something wrong with you might as well just show it to a person who has invested their life <laughs> invested so much of their time and energy in studying the body the human mind or human body why don't you just show it to them and it's not like everyone is expensive you know there are a lot of people like oh my god if i have to go to a doctor i have to shell out so much of money so the government has come up with a lot of schemes as well which reduces your consultation fee and it's actually making it accessible to 
the people who are below poverty line there are a lot of schemes which are available so a basic investigation like blood blood investigations or x-rays or usgs these are given at a subsidized cost to the people who are below poverty line so i mean our country is actually doing a lot to you know make sure that the rural population is included in everything because the, the problem is that the people who are privileged are extremely privileged and those who are not are completely not you know it's like the ends of two extreme poles hmm okay let's go back to a medical student yeah i was just thinking from architecture days staying up for a whole night itself would make me lethargic and i had to let it drink two three cups of coffee to make sure i do my jury well yeah right but you all do 24 and 48 hour shifts how are you expected to be always right in your diagnosis if you're not feeling well or if you're too tired so i mean, I mean we are overworking you right yeah correct i mean it's not like we don't get sick leave or sick days ideally we don't have any holidays to be honest even sundays are working for us and even like national holidays or something like that uh if people are working on christmas there's somebody or the other who's always working in the hospital the hospital is never shut there are always people who are working so the study aspect of it is very uh subjective people have different schedules and different times as to how they cope up with everything but otherwise generally after a 24 hour duty generally people get an off the next day but if you are a postgraduate student and if you are a resident then you have to work even the next day so sleep is something uh, i think we have all sacrificed the moment we enter the field and to be honest after a certain point of time you get used to it i mean you get used to the lack of sleep and used to the you know less hours of studying and more working uh, so yeah it just becomes a routine of sorts so basically um, what you guys do to ensure that other people are healthy leaves you unhealthy yeah yeah to be honest yes it's a lot because even mentally you have to be present over there you have to make sure you're giving the right treatment the correct modality of treatment has to be given because if you screw up even like a single drug or if you you know mess up the dosage even micro dosaging of the drug obviously it's going to affect a person's life so that is what you know i think there's a little bit of adrenaline and fear which is constantly there in us because of which when we are treating we always make sure that we are doing it right there has to be no screw up from our side we are supposed to be constantly perfect in whatever we do Oh, but mistakes occur because you're not well or because you know you're hurrying up and too many patients are there yeah i mean there are sometimes which is where it is completely unavoidable but uh, mistakes are bound to happen i mean just because you are a doctor that does not mean that you're not going to do a mistake or mistakes are not going to happen obviously it will but the only thing is the mistakes which we do actually affect a person's life so that is why we are taught to completely like 99% reduce our mistakes but yeah that is only going to be happening if we have a regulated sleep cycle and a regulated uh, what do you say timetable for that matter because if that is not like basic things like food is not going in your stomach you're hypoglycemic you're obviously bound to be tired a lot you're going to be fatigued the entire time 
and at that time to be you know sitting in the casualty and a patient is going to come be like i have pain in my stomach or i have pain over here there to diagnose it immediately and it has to be a correct diagnosis you know you can't even obviously you can't have wrong diagnosis that is why we get investigations done so that we come to the correct diagnosis what about your relationship with your seniors so you have the students who just doing mbbs or just graduated doing internships then you have post grads then you have fellows and you have residents yeah, right correct, correct in fact the seniors are the ones who teach you a lot like a lot of your uh knowledge and education in the practical in the clinical aspect because theory is something which you imbibe everything on your own uh so the theory aspect of it is mostly what is taught to us by our seniors and uh, for initially for a few months they will uh, make sure that you know they are there physically present when we are doing or performing a certain procedure or something like that but once they are confident in us and once they get to know that yeah this person has got the hang of it then they let us do things solitarily you know like they will just you know make uh, they'll just come and supervise the entire thing but otherwise we have to execute the entire thing on our own like after a few months of training of course i have a question but it's not exactly related to like this part of things I, you were talking about how you know like um, even like micro dosing like even if you are make a little difference in your dosage for drugs but like doesn't everyone have different bodies and everyone reacts differently to different medicines yeah they do uh but there's like the standard uh treatment which is supposed to be working for specific conditions so we have an entire book of pharmacology which we are supposed to know all the drugs which we are giving for specific medications specific medication for specific people with conditions and what all is contraindicated suppose a diabetic is coming and he is having heart failure so in him you're going to give a different set of drugs uh, compared to a kid who is much more younger and is coming with a heart failure so yeah we are taught all of that uh, obviously you know we have to be uh, thorough with all of that to to treat the patients so basically you have to be like really really good at your job at all times yeah yeah you have to be good and because you have to be very alert as well because there's a lot of monitoring happening there are a lot of people who are on ventilators and there are a lot of people who are not on ventilators you need to you need to check up the progress of a patient every few hours if they're progressing not progressing and like uh, any patient suppose if they come in with a respiratory condition we need to keep checking like there are a lot of these vitals we have to keep monitoring and if it's improving or if it's not improving you know if it's not improving then we have to change the set of drugs which was given to them and you comp- you change it to another a set of drugs which might be effective so as you said it the patient may not um or say benefit from a certain type of drug then you just uh, change it to another uh, one which might be more effective in the patient and yeah and then hopefully that works and the patient becomes better so basically i have heard that when you give someone medication more than whether it's working for them you try to do it in such a way that you know you minimize side effects yeah yeah like you try to make sure that the person is healthy and uh, the moment they go up to the healthier aspect of it then you just like start reducing the dosage and then you know they walk out of the hospital perfectly fine wow 
all of this is very interesting because you you know it combines biology chemistry yeah yeah it's a combination of a lot of things it's not even that it's also about ethics about how you interact with the patient and how you interact with the family of the patient and the relatives the relatives play a very important role to be honest because sometimes they may not listen to us because uh, you know maybe they they are unfamiliar with us and they don't want to you know listen to us at that point of time maybe a lot of pe- uh, a lot of patients um, like especially those who have road traffic accidents they are not in a conscious state of mind so obviously when you're not in a conscious state of mind you will not be willing to listen to a stranger you know i mean we are doctors but then at the end of the day we are a stranger to that person right so they'll obviously listen to a person who's much more closer to them and you know the relatives also play a very important role even they have to kind of you know force the the patient you know be like listen to the doctor listen to what he's saying because he may not even listen to us you know so that is also one of the few factors so it's it's a lot it's not even physics chemistry bio it's like everything like um timing has to be right and you know the diagnosis has to be right and imagine if you just diagnose something else and you treat for that condition but somehow that drug is not the right drug so there are a lot of things which come into play um so you said you go from one department to the other right, right? so which one do you think was more challenging or more scary for you or or at least give us like an experience maybe if you okay so there was this one time when i was posted in the icu this was during general medicine uh, when i was posted in internal medicine uh, so we had like uh, even that and even the emergency one so emergency is like casualty uh, posting we were posted in casualty and emergency uh, the icu uh, affiliated with the casualty posting So yeah that was a little scary because uh, one day we had alternate days or uh, 24 hour duty like suppose i'm working for 24 hours today the next day i get an off and then the other day after that i have to go again so on the day i was working there was a patient who had an rta like a road traffic accident he came he was not in a conscious state and you know he was pretty bad and all his relatives were very upset and you know they were and he was in a very mangled state you know like his leg was almost on the verge of being amputated because he had like a chop wound and it was really bad like the patient was not in a good state then the next day when i had come uh, he had improved a little bit you know and we had a hopes that you know he will survive and you know everything and in that same posting the same place there was this patient who was in a very good condition and had deteriorated and this patient was in a bad condition and he improved you know so at that point of time i understood that you as a doctor or me as a doctor we are always going to try our best to make sure but things are not obviously going to turn out the way we expect them to you know we want the best for the patient we want him to recover obviously but yeah so the patient uh, eventually passed away because he the one with the rta uh he eventually passed away because uh his uh, like just uh, his bp dropped and you know we did cpr and we tried to save him but that didn't work that didn't work whereas the same treatment modality uh worked for the guy who was in a very bad state initially he was a diabetic and he was having uh, aki which is acute kidney injury 
so he was on hemodialysis and you know he 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 improved very well and he responded very well to the treatment so that was a little bit it wasn't it was challenging for me not physically but mentally to come to terms with the fact that you know not every patient you try to save is going to be saved so you must have a lot of like you must be really mentally strong to like seeing other people just die in front of you oh uh, yeah because our profession is such that we literally every minute either i mean i know it sounds very harsh when i say it and very cold hearted but that's how it is literally every minute people are either dying or going to die and uh, you have to counsel the patients and you know you have to make sure that they are aware that the patient is in a bad state because uh, i mean it's ethically morally and even our profession demands it that you know you are supposed to counsel the patient in case their uh, patient's relatives that you know uh, in case the patient is going to pass away soon so do you think a lot of your problems stem from the fact that in many places especially in rural areas you do not have the required facilities to treat the people properly the crux of the issue is that to be honest in rural areas there aren't many facilities and even if there are facilities uh, the mindset of the people is very difficult to bring a change in because they still believe that i am at home and you know nothing is wrong with me i'm fine and they'll have like huge ulcers they'll have bleeding gums they'll have warts they'll have all these things but they'll just tend to ignore it they'll be like yeah it's there now and then you know maybe next week it will go away on its own it will just go away the way it's came, it has come so there's a lot of unawareness so even if we try to put facilities and we try to put like healthcare centers over there the people have to be ready to come first and second they have to even comply to the treatment which we are giving if we are telling them to take that is why there are a lot of these tuberculosis cases which are still prevalent because the patient when they come to the doctor they are like yeah yeah we you know they, it's a, it's a huge it's a very long course of treatment for tuberculosis uh it's like almost a year and depending on if they have uh, resistance to drugs or no resistance the treatment modality changes again so it's all on the patient if they're taking that drug has to be taken almost every day or alternate days depending on which treatment is being given so it's honestly it's on the mentality of the people as well because in urban area everyone is so aware about everything they adapt to more and they at least listen to the doctors you know no it's because they are educated and exactly. they know that if they don't exactly. they will die rural area the educations not there so obviously they will not know exactly that if they don't take care of it they will actually pass exactly away. so it's not even the healthcare system at fault it's actually the education i mean if they are all given free education or at least basic education till fifth or tenth or you know something they'll be aware and they'll understand the uh, what do you say the gravity of the situation they'll understand that they actually have a problem at hand and only then because in, if you're unaware that you know there's something wrong with you how will you even go about how will you even do anything about it you know you said it's mentally very taxing right yeah so are you all given counseling when you see people pass away in front of you and the family members there are you all given counseling to how to handle it or how to handle yourselves uh yeah so uh, some of our seniors uh the seniors who we work with or interact with do tell us how we have to be composed ourselves 
in the first place and console the other patients uh but uh, to be honest to a maximum extent it's just ourselves we have to be mentally strong and we have to cope up with it i mean no matter how many people will come and console us we have to be strong enough to handle all these situations on our own because a few of them will be there to help a few of the seniors may help they may not help because they are again busy with their own you know duties they are not going to be forever yeah. around us right so do you think you should have uh, extra help to help you all get through something like this uh it depends on the person to be honest but yeah if in case there's an extra helping hand obviously why not i mean especially to reduce the mental strain there is definitely so seniors as such are doing their course as well and we have uh, hods we have senior faculty members we have professors and associate professors who are already done with this degree and are far more experienced than us so we have to learn it's more of you know uh, observation which goes around like learning procedures yes but also a lot of observation which happens on rounds because these things are only going to be uh, like you only know the exact treatment modality through experience so it's a lot of experience as well which helps so it's it's basically a tough job but is it a rewarding job yeah it is a tough job and uh, i mean there are days it's just like a normal job to be honest uh, okay it is not like a normal job it's a lot more than a normal <laughs> job like 9 to 5 and you're done but here that's not the case yeah like you're there from 8 or 7:30 or some random hour in the morning till i don't know when you don't even know when your shift might get over but okay uh, as in when your uh, post goes up you know your timings are little um normalized and you have like 12 hour duty 6 hour duty so that's cool but yeah i mean at the end of the day all of this we are doing uh, so that the patient is fine and honestly the time when the patients and the relatives come for follow ups and they're like oh my god we are doing so much better and you know we are disease free and we don't have that thing anymore or if it's a diabetic and they say that they sugar is under control i mean that's all we want you know that is what is our reward at the end of the day so you said that it may, it's not even actually like a infrastructure problem as much and so in that vein what do you think about you know government schemes such as you know ayushman bharat like is it something that actually like allows you guys to do your job better or is it just is it really beneficial uh yeah it is beneficial it acts as a adjunct to already uh, what the foundation which is being stabilized it is going to be helping in that but yeah i think there have there are so many things which have to be improved you know it's just not one thing there's just it starts with the entire schooling process just as she said like there's no schooling they are completely unaware so that is one of the few things and the mass of our country is on the rural side not on the urban so the rural side definitely they have been trying actually to uh, what do you say give uh, incentives to doctors by paying them more like the people who work in rural areas will get more but there's a lot of security concern over there. there's a lot of safety concern over there as well and because everyone is from a urban area or from a city or from a metropolitan place for them to just randomly go to a village and live over there for the rest of their life is extremely difficult 
so they need to think uh, how uh, they need to put themselves in our place and think if they will be willing to do it because it's very difficult to do uh, such a thing uh, what is the relationship between the administration and doctors in a rural area so it is depending on whichever hospital you are working wherever you are affiliated with um there is no like the government has had has these centers they are called primary health centers and all of that so all these people from nearby villages they come and you know they try to make sure they're getting the medication the medication for them in fact are free of cost as well over there so and even the investigations which they have to get done it's all subsidized so the administration has played a very good role as such but the execution aspect of it has to be increased in the manner of the scale in the manner of the patients the number of patients who are going to get treated the government has done a lot of uh, you know campaigns and programs and it's actually very good i am really happy with the way they have you know for each and every disease they have programs they have for vector borne diseases they have for communicable diseases they have Uh, implemented compulsory vaccination at birth so this uh, process of immunization and polio and everything immunization for polio has started from birth so this is something which is there everywhere which i am happy about that you know our government is aware about these root problems and root causes they are trying to you know cut it uh, over there only yeah i think the biggest shock i got when i was looking at how us reacts to vaccines and how people actually anti vaxers <laughs> i was like i never thought that yeah, people yeah. would be anti vaxers from the time we were kids we used to have polio people going from door to door asking if there's a child there and correct. if they've had the shot or not yeah correct correct so yeah like the administration has definitely played a role in the rural area not as much as in the urban but yeah it has definitely played a vital role in the rural area as well and like what's your favorite like if you had to choose i know like the whole getting selected in your pg program yeah. is a little bit of a yeah <laughs> tough thing Yeah, like, it's, you know, it's if you have to choose, which is your favorite thing? Which is yeah. What's your favorite field you'd want to go in? Yeah, I would actually love to go into internal medicine, ah, uh, because um, like you know how everything you've seen in house it just like transcends and you're there. It's like the patient will just come in the casualty, and uh, sometimes they may not even be accompanied with the person. You know, they might not even be. They are randomly found on the road. and there are these organizations or ambulance will randomly call them and they just get the patient and they go away a few of them know what's happened a few of them don't know so for me it's like the patient is a mystery and you know you get to solve those puzzles and you just you know put them in place and you're like okay this is what has happened okay you know if he is an alcoholic okay you know this is what has happened or you know what so for me i've always found that very interesting that you know it's like a entire puzzle in front of you and you solve it depending on whatever knowledge you have and that's like the fun part for me <laughs> like it's a complete mystery and you get to do everything on your own yeah like that has attracted me a lot like you know i wanted i want to do that but let's see how things go we'll figure out it's you can do it you can do it you have time yes <laughs> just like believe and everything you know in yourself is uh, what is required that's it so basically all this is very cool 
yeah i mean if you <laughs> if you just get it down to that yeah it's definitely cool and uh, you even get paid to do this i mean we get paid to diagnose the correct thing and everything mm-hmm. so yeah that that's cool that's really cool i mean you need to have passion for what you're doing if you have no passion and you're just robotically doing what you're doing then obviously it's not even doctor it's just like any job you get you have to be interested in it firstly secondly you have to be invested in it mentally and you have to like it you know you should be interested in it from within you shouldn't be forced or compelled to do a job because otherwise you're just going to do it for the heck of it you know as a doctor right now when covid struck were you at the covid zone were you working there uh so initially first firstly i didn't have my uh, registration till that point of time because uh, our convocation not happened till that point of time so i didn't have my registration license so without that it's kind of illegal <laughs> to work so i had applied for it and everything but had taken a lot of time for that uh i had gotten calls uh, to work but then i had uh, decided not to go uh because uh, my dad and my mom i was you know initially i was a little bit scared that you know what if i go and you know something happens to them because of me so that was the one factor which kind of pulled me back and also because this year i had you know decided since the start that i'm going to be studying this year right. so for me even if it was covid or even if it was not covid i was going to sit at home and study because my exam was supposed to be yes. in jan so yeah and i had finished everything in march around so i just had like 8 months in hand approximately 8 to 10 months in hand to finish my entire uh, 24 subjects so for me it was stay at home anyway. right do you know anyone who was uh, working there i'm asking because one i've heard instances in us especially that even after the doctors who are working or nurses who are working get covid they are still forced to work second if they mm-hmm. ask for leaves also they were told to just leave forever and get fired yeah just forced it and yeah. third yeah. i've seen backlash from the fact the community that was living with them so if you're living in mumbai your community would not let mm-hmm. you enter uh Even Correct. if you have a negative, because you yeah, because you work in talk. So, do you yeah. know anyone who's gone through yeah. something like this? Uh, not exactly. But uh, yeah, I mean, my own sister has been working, and she had been. Uh, she's a JR three, like post graduation. Her of a last year of post grad. So yeah, I had seen her schedule, and it was pretty messed up. It was really messed up. And first of all, nobody is used to wearing PPE kits, so that was. Plus one, that was a new thing. Second, working for a very long time, like for twelve hours, they had twelve hour shift, so twelve hours without water because you can't. The moment you just touch anything from outside, you your that PP loses its value. The kit, you have to change into a new clothes and change into your new kit and everything. So they were working without water, without food and everything for twelve, 12 hours. hours and no water. Yeah, yeah twelve hours. Yeah, and uh, I mean, after a point, they got used to it, but they were mentally, obviously, mentally and physically exhausted. So they used to just come and crash. Like uh, a few 
days i've heard my sister saying that she's not even had anything she just ate like a biscuit or something because you're so exhausted physically because you have to go for the next shift again tomorrow so yeah i mean the leaves part of it i am not aware of but my sister had taken a leave which was way in october so this was in march april may june july august september oh october so october is when she finally got some time to breathe um otherwise nobody really takes a leave to be honest and especially during a pandemic where everyone is working overtime i think it would be really uh, selfish of somebody to even ask for a leave but obviously you are uh, pushed to a point where uh, you know you need a break from everything so that has I happened selfish and i have seen your health is also really important right exactly exactly when you it's uh, you can't just your own health keeping the others yeah. you know so everyone does need a break but yeah i think in rotation people are taking a little bit of leave 3 4 days or maybe a week and you know just rejuvenated for a while and come back so but yeah even i've heard of all these things in uh, in the news and a lot of articles have come out as well it's just pretty sad you know i mean after everything you've gone through and it's a lot and it's just like too many things at once so you don't even know what uh, you want to prioritize anymore like when the nurses go on strike it just somehow falls on the doctor to make sure and imagine i've seen uh, like even in a few of the hospitals in mumbai i've seen like people who are supposed to be treating patients they're all changing their bed sheets and bed covers because these are all the things which are which they are not supposed to be doing it's not their requirement uh, it's not their job requirement but they have to end up doing it because none of the other paramedical uh, health workers are there to do this so they have to do this on their own it's really sad it's really yeah. sad i mean the vaccine has come out now right so yeah i yeah yeah that is like a, a a sigh of relief i think for everyone but the thing is that it is not being uh, accessible i guess to all the health workers as of now obviously they strategized it and they are doing it slowly and steadily they are trying to make sure that everyone who's working in the hospital not only the doctor as per se everyone whoever is in uh, who are like you know daily going to the hospital everyone's getting vaccinated so that's a good thing i'm happy to hear about it's a positive thing to hear about after so many months <laughs> like you said that not a lot of people will be getting like access so how useful is the fact like the fact that you know the vaccine is here and what do you think about like developed countries buying up more than they need canada uh they are yeah it's kind of uh, very tricky to answer that question especially see these developed countries i think they have a upper hand at everything so they're just going to do whatever they can to protect their uh, population and uh, vaccine over here in india it's obviously going to take quite some time to get into momentum of things but uh, obviously their strategy is to first give it to health workers and then give it to the rest which i completely agree which makes complete sense because people who are staying at home and who are having no interaction or of the hospital or there is no requirement on them to go there why you, they are not even entering the war zone the hospital has become a war zone now so they're not even entering that so you know it's not even required for them for now uh i mean eventually everyone will be needing the vaccine 
but yeah that strategy of giving it to the health workers first is a good thing i mean i completely agree with it definitely hmm. how many people had till date have asked you sex questions that make you feel like oh wow we need sex it <laughs> uh to be honest uh, not even one patient not even one patient yeah no no like but your friends you know when they just go like hey you're a doctor tell me something about this uh maybe a handful not many not really not many. i feel like indians are very conservative in this topic you know yeah and the i don't know if they don't want to be aware or they already know everything possibly that's why they don't want to ask but yeah to be honest not many like even less than a handful to be honest <laughs> interesting yeah. and um what was the first time or first like how long did it get you to get acclimatized to you know all the bodily fluids like you know all the blood and all the sweat and all the things i don't want to say oh so that happened way back in our first year when we are like thrown not not thrown we are supposed to stand in front of this cadaver so essentially cadaver is like a donated body which they give for dissection we have to dissect the entire body and you know uh familiarize ourselves with the organs and everything at that time we were just standing uh, near this body which is dunked in formalin so uh, since that time only we are acclimatized so i think since the first year only we've been uh, used to all of this and eventually and even in uh, this uh, you know we have this practical where you do this blood uh, typing blood group typing so we have to prick ourselves <laughs> we prick ourselves and check our own blood group So yeah, I think we've been acclimatized since uh, the very starting of our course. What did you feel when you saw a brain in front of you? Brain, honestly, for me, I find the entire neurosciences and neurology it's very intriguing, it's very fascinating, but it's so difficult. It's so difficult to get a hang of, you know. I was very um intrigued I was like what is this how how can this one thing control everything in your body you know it's it's responsible for each and everything it's responsible for our behavior it's responsible for our emotions how we talk how we speak our body language each and everything it was the most difficult uh, part in the entire course is to learn neuroanat and yeah that that was my view on brain it's it's damn difficult but to look at it and you take a picture with it is obviously something else <laughs> but yeah to uh, actually study it it's damn difficult i had a friend who used to like during her uh, early college days used to send us pictures of cadavers and you know uh, body parts that was fun i miss those days no <laughs> you have to be no, really crazy. crazy to say that you know you like taking uh, you like having pictures of cadaver in your gallery in your phone gallery that oh yeah that was fun <laughs> yeah and like um what do you think like a lot of like indians have this whole thing you know ki like mera beta doctor banega mera beta engineer whatever bullshit you get yeah. the point yeah. so like do you think that people are like I don't know how to put it, but it's like, do you feel a lot of people are pushed toward these kind of careers when may, they may not have the requisite, you know, like uh, things required for? 
courses so even they talk about their batchmates and i've heard that you know a lot of them are in it because um, their parents are doctors and they want to run the for them it's like this family business kind of a thing this is what i've heard i mean for me per se my view would be if you want to become a doctor an engineer or a singer or a writer just do what you want you know do not give in to what others have you know tell you to do because eventually you'll get tired and worn out and you'll you'll just drop it in midway and the entire course is like five years which is going to drop it in second or third year going to be like do this is not my cup of tea i want to do something else since the start so why do something you don't like you know just do something which you're really passionate about which you actually like but it is there as you said it does exist and i don't know if there's any solution to it i like either they should just talk clearly communication maybe will help they should just sit with their family and be like listen i don't want to do i don't want to become a doctor i don't want to become this or that and you know i want to eventually go into arts or you know do something so yeah i think that that is the only way out of this because once you're in it it's very difficult to go back it's a huge commitment I think more Sanchi what was she was asking was how are other people's reaction when you say you know you're a doctor No that's not Does what I want to say but now I want to treat you okay. <laughs> See a certain people, like a lot of the reaction has just been the same for me to be honest like a few relatives they are like oh my god you're a doctor and you know because even my sister is doctor so they just you know say that oh my god you're a uh, you both both daughters are sisters and both them are doctors and all that sounds cool uh But yeah, I mean, for any- I love the both daughters and sisters comment. <laughs> yeah, so both daughters and sisters. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you will not believe the random com. They are not comments per se. They are just their views which they have for doctors. And luckily, I don't know. I mean, in my family, it's not such a huge thing because we have like one more doctor who's there in US. She's like my aunt, like a distant aunt. So she is there too. uh so yeah i mean we've not been criticized or we've not been thought extremely high off absolutely nothing like that we're just like normal and if there's any health related issue they have they definitely call me or my sister and that's pretty much it yeah because like both daughters are sisters yeah both daughters are sisters <laughs> and and no no the fact is both daughters are doctors and they are sisters <laughs> this is what is a uh, little this thing But yeah, I think it's. I mean, our family has been very receptive, and they've been very cool with it. I mean, they are all. All of them are very proud that you know we are in the field and we are doing something very selfless and a noble profession is what they just keep saying, which I agree to. Have you delivered a baby? Have I? Yes, oh, I have. That was my uh, next question. My senior was also there, so yeah, I did. and then once i delivered i went and i took the small kid and introduced it to his family and his his dad actually it was a small boy and then his dad and his dad was like oh my god it's a boy and i was like yeah it's a boy 
compulsory nowadays i am preferring to do a episiotomy because it just uh, makes the process faster and the and the uh, mother is in less pain but at that point of time but later on the mother is in quite a bit of pain because of the sutures is very uncomfortable but then you know i mean in practice in all hospitals in, in pop culture yeah in pop culture it's called uh, what is it called it's called the husband stitch Uh, yeah oh, oh my okay. god we yeah. spoke about it in one of our so sex episodes regularly regularly scheduled programming here yeah, is a small ad and... for a sex ed episode <laughs> have you ever wanted to know about sex if you do check out no, our no, sex no. ed episode that's it that's yeah. the ad the thing was yes please do um the mm-hmm. point was an extra stitch okay. was added to tighten it because apparently it was a called a husband stitch because it would bring more pleasure to the husband later when they would have intercourse but um it was basically reducing okay i have no idea i have no idea okay okay it was it a was a malpractice okay. though it was a malpractice yeah it was a malpractice and it was a very old thing but apparently even now no no i have it no, happens. no idea about this asking <laughs> no idea yeah yeah i'll definitely read Maybe it up or something check it out um yeah and one, i i don't know i just have a lot of stupid questions one more stupid question um what was it press about babies yes so uh when does a, when does someone get a forceps birth uh see there are a lot of uh, medical conditions uh the mother see it's uh, generally the population is a healthy population in india and you know and matlab there's no issue as such for forceps delivery uh it is depending or uh, there are a lot of causes there's depending on the mother and depending on the fetus if the fetus is, if the heart rate is going down or if it's an emergency um, and the mother is is going into sepsis or something like that so there are a lot of specific group of um, what do you say diseases or conditions not diseases conditions per se for which a forceps delivery is done so like not just because the baby is like i'm not coming out at all and then the doctor is like okay now i'm going to yank you out does that happen uh yeah actually that does happen because there's only a limited amount of time where we can allow the natural process to take place after that uh, either there's something called manual vacuum aspiration there is a cesarean section obviously which you guys are aware of there are a lot of things which you do to help the entire process but uh, once the kid is out and he is in the passage of birth then uh, at that time in case the oxygen does not go then it will be uh, very uh, obviously fatal for the fetus that is why you know the all of these things are practiced so that the fetus is fine at the end of the day how does it affect the person like the one who is delivered via forceps it doesn't it is it doesn't affect but there are like two three conditions which affect the skull uh 
it can happen in case you are applying a lot of pressure or you know you've not kept the forceps properly um or there's even uh, that is why they are preferring a lot of vacuum right now nowadays they do vacuum assisted deliveries because forceps as such is like a physical object and you know that's applying a lot of pressure to the head so it causes like cephalic hematoma and all of that so they're trying to reduce that because of which they're doing the um, uh, vacuum method so it should not affect the kid as such but if it does i mean there is treatment for that as well uh but yeah if it just it's not a big thing but if it just gives you like a weirdly misshapen skull if it gives you a weirdly misshapen skull i okay see because at birth as such the skull and everything it is formed but it is not like the kid has just started i mean it's just introduced to the entire planet so the skull is still growing to be honest and our bones keep growing till 25 and you know whatever so that shouldn't be a problem but uh, actually that does not happen <laughs> skull misshapen does not happen uh, because of the forceps will not so i cannot blame the doctor for my skull so i really cannot blame the doctor for my skull <laughs> no you can't <laughs> you don't you understand why i call this a stupid question because of my motivation Okay yeah I I understood I understood why you called it a stupid question I'm glad that you realized <laughs> it's a self proclaimed stupid question <laughs> I told you I have a lot of stupid questions for people but you know this is like a podcast I want to be all stately and stuff so I started with all the heavy questions yeah. and now we are like you know yeah stupid ones yeah yeah okay so maybe not really a stupid question but what do you think about you know indigenous medical practices Oh uh, okay can you like elaborate your question maybe then i can add on something uh you know like old timey medical practices like you know ayurveda yunani stuff like that yeah see honestly to each it his own i mean people prefer specific kind of treatment and people go to homeopathy people get all these treatments done i mean if they are comfortable with it and they want to do it you know nobody is going to stop them because these practices are present and they are prevalent for a certain reason and if they believe that they're going to get treated with that specific modality then go ahead but uh, yeah i mean if it works for them then okay i mean it's just a little bit of less patient load for us then <laughs> This is a really enjoyable experience for me obviously it always is what about you aditi did you like talking to us yes yes definitely so yeah i had a lot of fun thank you so much aditi for coming and answering all the questions like the good ones and the stupid ones yeah. especially the stupid ones yeah okay i'm glad and to anyone who's <laughs> listening this especially if you are a doctor or if you're pursuing to be a doctor just believe in yourself have a lot of patience and keep working hard and you need to reach a point where you enter the room and you're like i'm a doctor i can handle this you know so keep working till you reach that point and yeah everything else will follow this has been a lot of fun as and this has been yet another episode of our podcast hmm Thank you so much again Aditi for coming. Yeah, thank Thanks for so coming for hosting. Thank you so much. And doing the introduction this time. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So we'll see you soon next time. Yes.